This is the Don Juans of Dynasty, where we discuss all things Dynasty Fantasy Football. Sit back and enjoy the show. Let's go ahead and get started. So, Don Juans of Dynasty are back. Um, I have a couple of top of the top of the news items. There were some big things going on this past week. Um, but before we get into that, I'm your host, Mike, and I'm joined by John. Yep. And Tommy. How are we doing? Tommy, welcome back. Two weeks in a row. That is officially a new record. So uh, you might be uh, you might be taking over for the other podcast member. Listen, you know, he that the fans spoke. They don't like Tim. It's time for Tommy to step in. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because like we have all the leverage because it's very likely that Tim isn't going to listen to this episode, or if he does, it's for FOMO. And when he listens to it, his blood pressure is going to spike after like three minutes because he's going to get nervous that he's out. I was either way. Say, I was just going to say, Timmy, will take you to listen on this one and then see you later, buddy. Absolutely. Actually, yeah. I mean, if he wants to get a listen and even if he wants to extend the listen to like his brother, or his parents, like we're taking all kinds of new listeners at this point. So if he Hell, wants to he, send it to people. Yeah, he could even listen more than once, dude. Yeah, I don't think that adds to the count, but maybe we should tell him it does so he like <laughs> listens to it. And what if we tell him that you have to wait at least fifteen minutes for it to register as a listen, and he listens to it for fifteen minutes like seven times? <laughs> that would be nice. I mean, we have all the leverage here. Um, oh yeah. Let's go ahead and get started, though. So, just top of the news items, um, <clears throat> a couple of big things. So, the number one thing that happened today was Travis Etienne's injury. Um, Obviously, for people that invested in ETN and um, redraft and in dynasty formats, awful news to hear he's going to be out for the season with a list Frank injury. Um, ironically, Tim tried to tell me this morning that it was a four to six week injury, and I already told him that was wrong. And they didn't even wait to see if he's going to come back late in the year. So it was obviously severe enough that um, he's not going to be playing. So, you know, in terms of dynasty value, He's going to take a hit, although he's going to come back in full form next year. But it's really hard when, first off, people need to remember that ETN um, was a senior this year. So he was actually already a year older than most of the running backs that come out. Not that it's the end of the world, but he's going to be 23 when he's really getting his first snaps. Um, And this is another year for James Robinson to possibly be entrenched. Even before this injury, we didn't really know ETN's usage with James Robinson. So... Um, definitely concerning for his dynasty value, but, but what do you guys think about this? I actually, I was, uh, you go first, Scotty. Ooh, ooh, Tommy, Tommy, I know you're new to the pod, but I put an X in the group chat. As I'm up. True, true, true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I was, you kind of stole what I was going to say anyway. Um, I mean, James Robinson was getting pretty much all the first team reps anyway, like in the preseason games and throughout practice. And it was going to be interesting to see how Urban Meyer kind of mixed ETN in, you know, probably in the beginning of the season that everyone kind of expected him to take over by the end, but now we're just not going to see how he could be mixed in. And if James Robinson has another year like he did last year, it's going to be hard to for ETN to come back and just, you know, where he's going to fit in on that offense. Well, um, I just have a quick question for you guys. I know ETN had a foot injury that um, lingered for a while in college. Do you know if that's related? Because if that is, that's, that's really going to – Push me away towards him. Uh, it's hard to say whether or not it's directly related. I don't know if the details of something like that have really come out. 
what I'm more curious about is how many running backs um, have been injured their rookie year, how many games they miss, and then the, you know, what it ended up resulting in. So here's some interesting ones, but these aren't rookies. So I'm trying to see going back to 2016, 2015. Yeah, I mean, Jamal Charles in, in 2015 tore his ACL. I think he came back to make sure it was fine, but he was already an established starter. I don't, I don't know of a lot of rookie running backs that miss their whole rookie year and then end up, end up having good careers. I mean, I think it's definitely concerning. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I don't know. He might be, might be kind of a steal then. Um, and next year, he's probably going to slide down people's draft boards. And I mean, he was still a first round draft pick, so might be able to get him late. Here's yeah. Here's here's something interesting for you guys is a little bit of a thought project looking at um, ADP for what we have right now. Travis Etienne on um, Mizell's ADP data is showing that he was valued at about the RB seventeen. This is obviously fresh, so this is before this injury news. Uh, people going after him: Javante Williams, Miles Sanders, David Montgomery, Josh Jacobs. I think I would probably take all of them over him in dynasty based on this news would you guys agree yes yeah i mean i you know i'm a james robinson truther but he he was gonna get carries no matter what this year like i don't think etm was gonna come in and just mm-hmm. be the main guy um i mean i don't i don't care that he they drafted him in the first round robinson's an undrafted rookie like like i said before throughout preseason and training camp like james robinson's been getting first team reps so i don't think etm was ever going to come in and completely take over well i was never completely concerned because etn isn't a workhorse back he's more of a receiving back and they even um the jaguars were even using him in the slot so for james robinson i was never like completely concerned but now having this injury i need to research the injury more but i'm worried about his explosiveness coming off of this because from the limited like information i've seen i think this requires like screws into his foot and I, I don't know many running backs that are successful after that. I want to say Julio Jones had a list Frank injury. Okay. But let me see if that's true. I feel yeah, like- Julio Jones fractured his list Frank in 2013. Okay. So, you know, I'd have to look up more players. I just knew him off the top of my head because I thought I had him the year that he had that happen, and I was pissed. Yeah. Um, no, that's reasonable. I mean, my thing is I'm still not sold on Urban Meyer or, like, the Jaguars in general – I don't think they really knew like how they were going to use ETN. I think I was, I don't know if I was telling you guys that the running back who led all um, running backs in slot, like I guess slot snaps last year was Chase Edmonds. And I want to say it was something like 5% of all snaps. So like people that think that running backs are going to get used out of the slot a lot, like yes, Urban Meyer maybe was going to use him more, but I just, I don't know his usage. And then, the fact that James Robinson is going to have another year to kind of establish himself, it's tricky. Looking at uh, the next tier of players, Chris Carson, Trey Sermon, Michael Carter, I think I would rather have ETN than all three of them. Would you guys agree? Tommy, you want to go? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of higher on Trey Sermon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think Mostert has been injury prone. I think it's quite possibly the best system for a running back. And it's actually one of the notes I have written down here. Um, 
I think Trey Sermon may actually be a fantasy winner this year because his last five games, which are during the playoffs, are against the Bengals, the Falcons, the Titans, and the Texans. Mm. And they, I, I, I don't have it written down here, but I believe they average, they gave up about like 19 points per average on a running back. So I really think he's someone that, like, if you if he falls in the draft a little bit and you give him towards the end. I think he could really win you the league. So I think yeah. higher than ETN, but by a slim margin. Yeah, John, no. what about you? I, I think I agree with that. Um, I think I made it clear that I wasn't ever really like completely sold on ETN, not because he's not talented, just because the situation he went to. Um, so I, I agree with Tommy. And honestly, I was trying not to let my Trey Sermon bias like pollute my judgment there because I'm really high on Trey Sermon too. And as John knows, in one of our leagues, I I don't want to say I reached for him, but like he was a target, uh, a priority target for me. And I got him at pick 14 in a you know two two quarterback league. So um, I like Sermon a lot. I also think he's a better athlete than people give him credit for. He has a much better frame than somebody like Michael Carter like uh, he doesn't belong in the same combo to me as Michael Carter and yet their ADP is like super super similar yeah no I agree and something interesting that uh they mentioned during the preseason game last night um I'm blanking on the Jaguars offensive coordinator but uh, I know he's new as well as Urban Meyer and Urban Meyer runs like a spread offense, and I guess the offensive coordinator runs more of a traditional style offense, and you got that combined with a rookie quarterback, and it, they're like two kind of competing offensive styles. So um, they were talking about how it's going to be interesting to see how they mesh together. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, the only other injuries I'm really tracking are, are items worth maybe touching on. I know um, – Daryl Henderson injured his finger. I don't think it's going to hold him out of any games. It could be nice for Xavier Jones to get some work with the ones. Um, he was kind of like the assumed backup following Cam Akers injury to Daryl Henderson. Um, were there any other major news items that you guys wanted to hit on? Uh, don't worry. Nikhil Harry should be ready to go by week one. Good to know. Um, I, I didn't know about this till I think this morning, but DeAndre Swift apparently is his groin injury has been like slowing him down a lot. Um, Dan Campbell even said that he's like nowhere near football shape. And uh, did you guys hear about that? Yeah, I, I I heard about it a while ago, and I didn't think it was a big deal, but I actually just saw it today. Yeah, I'll read I'll read you the quote. It says. Dan Campbell said that Swift's conditioning and readiness is nowhere near where he expected. And groin injuries in a running back position tends to linger a lot. And that started to concern me, actually. We're, what, two weeks away from the season? Yeah, I, this is a good point. And, um, you know, it was – I was close to putting DeAndre Swift as one of my players I still have higher than the ADP. I'm so biased. Um yeah, so Tommy, I actually just read up on it a little bit too. I had missed this report. Um, it came out a little earlier today. So he's back from the groin injury. It sounds to me like his conditioning is going to be a little bit tricky. My guess is he might have a limited week one workload, which is kind of in line with, um, you know, like what they're saying with Barkley. Like Barkley might not have a full workload week one either. 
My opinion is this might create a good value, especially since in redraft leagues, he's going in like the third round. And from a dynasty perspective, I think he's still like a mid second. He's, he's kind of inching towards a late second to third round startup pick. Um, but I, I like him better than still some of the running backs I see going over him. Like I like him better than Zeke based on Zeke's age. I like him better than Derrick Henry. I like him better than uh, probably even Gibson. I just, just because I haven't seen what Gibson's going to do in PPR if you're a PPR person. And I like Gibson a lot, but so I, I don't think it's negatively going to affect how I feel. If anything, that's maybe going to create a good buying window for people that are worried. Jamal Adams did, uh, or Jamal Williams didn't look good in his limited action when he played. Yeah, that's just – I was just um, curious to hear your guys' opinion because I literally – maybe because I don't have him in any of my leagues, but I knew nothing – about. I didn't even know he was limited with a groin injury. So this was all just like a shock to me this morning. Yeah, and, and something that I thought about um, and I've been looking for him in leagues was just to stash uh, Jamar – was it Jamar Jefferson? Because I know we scouted him a lot and liked his college tape, and he's kind of one injury away from – I mean, he's looked good in preseason. He's kind of one injury away from getting some time, and this could be the injury. So, yeah, it, it's it's tricky. I mean, I, we'll have to see. Here's here's the problem, and and this is kind of what happens every single year at this time, a little bit too, right? There's always kind of a couple of running backs in the locker room, and the other thing is like Dan Campbell want like he just brought in Jamal Williams, right? Like you want to convince him. And with a running backs offensive coordinator like Anthony Lynn, like you want to convince him he's going to get his touches and everything. But the truth of the matter is like Swift is just a naturally, he's just a naturally better player. And that's not to say Williams isn't going to be there, but I mean, almost every single situation in the league includes some, you know, some form of a timeshare. So even if, you know, Swift is the 60, 40 guy and then gets all of the receiving work, um, I'm okay with that. I think people are a little bit concerned about the goal line, but Swift was one of the most uh, efficient running backs in the goal line last year. He had a couple of really, really good runs to get in the end zone from within the 10-yard line. Now, you can question how many opportunities he's going to get, but I'd say the conditioning story is kind of a non-issue because my my feeling is he's kind of a hard worker and it's not like he's lazy. So it's I don't think it's a question of that. I think it's like he's probably got three weeks here to get ready and they'll see what they can get out of him. Yeah, and like Tommy said off the air, you don't win Super Bowls in August. So if anyone's slightly dinged up, they're going to rest you until the regular season. Yeah, and I don't think he like necessarily needed too many reps. I did read a report that said he got heavy reps last week. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Campbell said something like this. For all we know, second-year player, maybe he's trying to light a fire under Swift's ass to say, like, hey, you got to, like, we got to see you lean in a little bit here. But I've never heard of like Swift having a character issue or anything like that, so I don't I don't think this is like a squeaky wheel sort of situation. Okay. You want to get? But that's a good thing to bring, guys. Yeah, I'm I'm good with that. You guys good with that? I'm good. Yeah. All right. You want to go first, Mike? Yeah, let's do it. So let's go in a rotating order. Um, We can give our players that we like better than their ADP first. Let's go like one, two, three. And then we can go through the players we like last. Does that work for you guys? Yep. Yep. All right. So the first person I want to talk about is uh, for a player that I like higher than the ADP I'm seeing right now is Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He's going overall as the 21st player in non-Superflex leagues. So in Superflex, I would say he's probably a mid-third to early fourth round startup pick. 
he's going as the RB12, and the running backs going off the board before him are Zeke, Gibson, and Chubb. Um, again, these, this isn't to say – like I can point flaws in any of these players. I think for Chubb, he's, an, he, he's probably the best pure runner in the league, but I don't you know, trust the receiving work he's going to get. Um, Gibson, I don't think we've clearly seen that they're going to give him the third down role yet, even though I think that he makes a lot of sense there and has a ton of upside. And I like Gibson. Um, and then Zeke, you know, is just getting older and, and looked a little bit sluggish last year. And, and we're talking about dynasty startup, right? So Clyde Edwards, Hilaire is, I think 22 at this point, which puts him on the, you know, younger side. Um, he's really a good candidate for a post hype sleeper. So, you know, I feel like, behind them is nobody right so when you talk about opportunity for usage like you know better second year even in the Super Bowl I thought he looked really good in the Super Bowl um and he looked good in the preseason too so he's a player that like he's a post-hype guy for me and I'm targeting him heavily uh in drafts if I can yeah no I I like that a lot and uh I'm actually I briefly mentioned um somebody that you could get in the later rounds is a steal when I'm going to talk about my guy that I think is going too high. Um, I mean, him, him being taken in the third round, I think is ridiculous. So I agree with you. Um, I'm a huge fan of Andy Reid. He, he's probably the best coach in the NFL at just getting his best players the ball. So obviously Clyde Edwards, Hilaire is going to thrive in that offense. So I'm, I'm in support of that. The one thing I will note is that we did hear last week he had a slight – they used the word slight um, foot sprain, and I did read into it a little bit. Apparently there was concern that it was a mid-foot sprain, um, which would be really, really dangerous. Um, based on my understanding, a mid-foot sprain and the inner part of your ankle is much, much stronger than your outer part. So two players that had mid-foot sprains in any capacity last year were Michael Thomas – and Dak Prescott after Dak Prescott's like ankle exploded. So among other reasons that Dak had an issue, one of them was that the inner part just takes a lot longer to rehabilitate. However, he was on the field for walkthroughs um, yesterday. And based on that information, it seems like it really was a slight ankle sprain and not an inner um, or a mid ankle sprain. So I think, you know, in terms of injury, he should be good to go. And I wouldn't be concerned about drafting him at this point. And his ADP has stayed pretty steady through the summer. Yeah, no, I agree with that. There's still a few weeks till the regular season, so. Yeah. John, why don't you go next with one of your players? I think Tommy had one more one more thing to say. Oh, okay. I'm going to talk about my player next because you mentioned Chip, uh, Nick Chubb, and I want to talk about how he's being drafted uh, too high and how I'd value him lower. Um, so let me start that. He just got that huge contract extension um, with the 2025 and people, like you said, he is – I have him as the number one pure runner in the NFL. Now, obviously, his um, hands for PPR are, are um, questionable, but he missed four games last year, and he still finished as a number one – or number 11 running back. And there's not many running backs so that will still uh, maintain that value after missing four games. Um, if you look at the, the Browns' new system and the new O-line, this running game is going to carry over for the next few years. They built – their entire, their entire team around this new, like, down-throat football. So I think his value is going to last. I think he's, besides last year's remotely healthy, he had that one um, knee injury in Georgia that he's recovered from really well. And I think people are just, are just 
overlooking him as a whole, and I, I don't I don't see it. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, and you you meant you like him at his ADP, right? Like where he's being drafted. Um, I would draft him a little earlier, honestly. Okay. okay so so you're saying he's a value, basically. Yes. Okay, got it. I was I was mixed up for a second. I thought you meant that you didn't like him at his current ADP. No, I I yeah, I, I could have worded that better. But he's also <laughs> you're he's good. also facing. He has the sixth easiest um, running back, or how do I word this? He's the sixth easiest ranked strength of schedule for running backs, meaning he's going against against the worst defenses in um, NFL. That's another way that can just boost his value for this year. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think people are a little scared off because of his lack of receiving and the fact that Kareem Hunt's there. But, I mean, he's done it with Kareem Hunt. Um, He did it not only – was Kareem Hunt there last year, but he also got hurt last year. And like you said, he finished the top – or what, what was it, RB11? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. And I think simply just because Chubb is two years younger than Derrick Henry, like he should be going, I think, earlier than Derrick Henry for dynasty purposes. Even Najee Harris, like Najee Harris is going off the board as RB6 overall. And usage and everything, I totally get it. But I am a little bit concerned about that line. Like, Nick Chubb's athleticism is is better than Najee's. And I like Najee a lot. It's just, like, it's the devil you know versus the one you don't. Like, yes, we kind of know what Nick Chubb is. But based on his skill and his talent, uh, you, ca- you can't afford to draft a running back and miss in your in your first pick. And that's kind of always how I've drafted. And that's why I always get nervous about people I haven't seen do it yet. Yep, 100% agree with you. All right, John, you want to get into one of your guys? Uh, I think you know who I'm going with, Mike. My good old boy, David Montgomery. And I actually – I took a second look. I thought he was valued way lower, but he's sitting around RB20, um, which is actually not as bad as I thought. But there's still a bunch of guys that I feel like he's still getting disrespected. Um, I mean, people are getting scared off that they – Harris or Damien Williams, excuse me. He's 30 years old, didn't play last year. He doesn't scare me. Uh, Tariq Cohen is back, but his knee's not really fully healed. Um, there's been reports on that. And uh, I mean, guys taken above him are people like Miles Sanders, who, what has he ever done? Um, they're already talking about him splitting carries with Boston Scott. Um, Austin Eckler, who's, you know, he's getting up there. He's what, 26, 27. Um, he's shown he can't really carry the load he can't be a full-time back um and there's also guys like aaron jones so i'd take him over aaron jones is old or like you know he's 26 27 and there's also just so many unknowns in green bay offense as a whole and david montgomery i mean he finished what rb4 last year and everyone's like oh well he only did it because Tariq Cohen was out or is it possible that he did it because he's a good receiving back too like he's gonna get you know, 40, 50 catches a year because he can do it. Um, I, mean, I think he ranked he ranked top 10 in yard, uh, yards run per route. So, I mean, he can be a receiving back. Um, so, I would definitely – I would move him up probably like five or six slots. I, I like five. that, Johnny. Um, I mean, we've all seen that graphic that says David Montgomery has the feet of Saquon Barkley. The <laughs> The strength of Ezekiel Elliott and the athleticism of Sony Michelle. So he's a steal right there. No, but yeah, I, minus the athleticism part. 
I like what you said, Johnny. I think that's a I think that's a good good um pick. I'm I've always been on your side. I thought he's a better player than than what people were valuing him. And something you didn't mention that I think's um a good thing to talk about is having Justin Fields as the quarterback adds that that um QB read option, which usually with QB read teams that usually drives up running back efficiency, as you saw in the Cardinals last year. So having that option of fields running, like all three options, I think just gives Montgomery more opportunities, and I'm, I'm excited for him as well. I think the one thing worth pointing out there is it's kind of a catch-22. It's better for your efficiency numbers, but it might mean he gets less total carries and less opportunities at the goal line. So that's also worth weighing. I, one thing I want to just go back to real quick, John, you said you think he should go like five or six like slots higher than where he currently is. Do you mean like in terms of total or do you mean in terms of just running backs? Like right now he's going off the board as the RB20. Do you mean you think he should go off the board more as the RB15? Yeah, sorry, in terms of running backs. I mean, I think he's he's going probably around where Gibson and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire are going, which I think is, is pretty reasonable. But, yeah, like I mean, I mentioned Miles Sanders. There's Travis Etienne. Uh, Eckler, Aaron Jones, like I'd move him above those guys just in terms of running backs. See, I'd, I definitely would rather have Miles Sanders. I think I would rather have Javante Williams. I already said that I'd take Monty over ETN. I think I would take Mixon over Montgomery too. I think you, I – yeah. Sorry, you would take Miles Sanders over him? Yeah, definitely. Miles Sanders last year was one of the highest yards per carry based on usage running backs in the league. And that was with a Poodoo offense and a coach that didn't want to be there and gave up on his players. Like, it's a new offense. They have a new young coach. Um, Miles Sanders is getting the vet treatment in camp. He's not even really touching the ball much. It's just presumed he's going to be the lead guy. Um, You know, we have to see what's happening with his hands. But his backups, ironically, are very small and cannot really protect on third down. Like, Boston Scott is just not big enough to really do it, or he's not good enough at doing it. And so, like, Miles Sanders, even if people are upset about his drop situation last year, I think he's still going to be the best vet for blocking purposes on third down. So, yeah, and, and based on his upside, like, I, I'm still a Miles Sanders guy. Well, no, you make good points. I mean, we'll see what happens at the end of the year, but, you know. I think you – I think context is really important, right? Like, David Montgomery popped off last year, but – you have to remember that there was no competition uh, in that backfield. Um, the team didn't have a lot of other ways to move the chains, and it was playing some really weak defenses. So it's not to say Montgomery's bad. It's just, like, that's also worth comparing to Miles Sanders, who, again, like a very defunct team. They didn't have any receiving threats. Um, they didn't know who their identity was at quarterback. They didn't really have a scheme that was working towards the players. It was just a scheme that, um, was instituted on that Super Bowl run, and Doug just kept using it. So uh, you got to keep some of those things in mind too. I think a little bit, but again, like those are that might be a user preference thing. Like that's just how I view Miles Sanders versus Montgomery, which is still a battle even a couple of years after they were drafted. I, I mean, I don't think Montgomery really has any competition this year either, though. Like bring they like, still got Tariq, don't they, for third down work? They do have him, but they've been saying his knees just like like he lost explosiveness because his knees just like not fully healthy yet. And then bringing in uh, Damian Williams is like the Jags bringing in Carlos Hyde. Like he's not gonna he's gonna get a few carries, but he's not like taking anything away from Montgomery. 
I don't know, man. Damian Williams always a threat last year, uh, 498 rushing yards. But, yeah, I, I largely agree with you. My point was uh, more – yeah. Two years two years ago, it took a year off to, to you know, oh, stay fresh. Yeah, stay fresh. COVID. I wonder what even I – don't, I don't even know if I've seen him in getting touches. Um, that's a good point, though. No, that's fair. Okay. Um, yeah, I knew you were going to pick Montgomery. That's fine. I, I have nothing against that. I'm so – I think he's kind of – like, I think he's kind of going where I would take him. But, like – I get it. I, I think his upside is there, and there are people that are just always going to be against Monty and people that are always going to be like Monty truthers. So that's a good point one. Um, okay, I guess it's back to me. So the next guy I'm going to go with here is another post-hype rookie from last year, and that's Jalen Rager, currently going as wide receiver 58 off the board. Um, typically, you can find him in round 12 or later. Here's some shocking names that are going before him in uh, Dynasty Startups. You guys ready for this list? I'm ready. Diami Brown, Russell Gage, Mike Williams, and Michael Hardman are all going off the board before Jalen Rager. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm a I'm a Jalen Rager fan. Yeah, I he have you guys been seeing? I mean, it's camp, so whatever. I, I know it doesn't matter. Have you guys seen some of those highlights he's been making though? That one handed grab he had. Um, he looks like a different player, and he's going to get to play out of the slot this year. Yeah, that was that was my huge thing. He needs, he's a slot wide receiver. Him on the outside isn't his best. Yeah, no, he I also – no, Go you, ahead, John. You go. No, you take it away, Mike. He also, like, he, he tried to make his frame fit what they wanted him to do by playing on the outside. Like, I think he was a little too thick last year, and he's a more explosive player than that typically – like, that frame was showing. So, like, he was still a fast player, but I think, like, he got in his own head and, like – he definitely had like a rookie wake up call, and and here's the thing, like he costs nothing, you know what I mean? Like you get, you might be like a Jalen Rager. I mean, maybe his owner's a believer and he's not going to sell, but Jalen Rager you might get for a third. And if you're in a dynasty startup in the twelfth round and you're between Diami Brown and Rager, like Rager was a first round wide receiver, you know he's only a year removed from that pick, so he still should be holding a lot more value than he is. Yeah, yeah. no, I I agree hundred percent, and I actually, um. My next guy too is is being taken behind McCole Harmon, and I don't really know what McCole Harmon did to get on the list. Um, uh, he hasn't really done anything yet, but uh, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, who who likes McCole Harmon? Like, aside from the people that maybe own him, I don't even think his owners like him. What's he ever done? <laughs> Nothing, dude. How many how many career receiving yards does he have? It's going to be ridiculous. It's going to be under five hundred. It's literally just because of his opportunity. He's the Chiefs number two right now. Like maybe that's really all it is. Yeah, okay. but they're also they're also saying he's competing with Byron Pringle or something like yeah. that. So like the fact that he's even competing with that guy. Well, people just see the depth chart that he's listed as number two. They're like, oh, the Chiefs number two wide receiver. He's gonna get he's just as good as Tyreek. But it's just. The problem that people are are forgetting about is like this isn't a normal operating team because Tyreek and Kelsey get so many of the targets, and then they're also going to use Clyde out of the backfield. So it's like, really, is Cole even better than the fourth option on the team? But I do stand corrected. He had 538 receiving yards as a rookie, and he had 560 last year. So he has a career receiving stat line of uh, 67 receptions, 1,098 yards, and 10 teams since 2019. Yeah, Still I mean, not good not... enough for me, but... Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, I'm ready to talk about my guy that he's being drafted around the same time as Jalen Rager, and that's uh, Christian Kirk. 
Um, I'm a huge fan of Christian Kirk. He, uh, very good deep threat. Still really young. He's 24 years of age. Um, he's listed as the, the Cardinals' number three wide receiver, but that's only behind A.J. Green, who was a fantastic player, but he's completely washed now. He can't separate for the life of him. So I could see um, Christian Kirk end up to be the number two wide receiver for the Cardinals. And that's something that point, that's important to mention is his, he's in a contract year. So I could see him being picked up by a team like the Chiefs or teams that need a deep threat. So I think his value is currently being completely underrated. Um, another thing that maybe I think about that other people don't is the Cardinals got a much better defense this year. And better defenses usually lead to the offense getting the ball a lot more. There's more opportunities for Kirk. Um, he's a pretty easy strength and schedule. He's like middle tiers playing the 15th best defense in the NFL this year. And um, I just think he's being completely undervalued. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, I mean, they have DeAndre Hopkins as the number one, but he's, he's getting up there in age. They have A.J. Green. Uh, I think – I don't know if Larry Fitzgerald's still on the team, but he's either going to retire or something's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I, sorry, John, I didn't want to interrupt, but I forgot to mention that. Larry just said in a podcast that he would much rather retire than, than come back for his – I think it's his 18th season. Um, so, yeah. He's got yeah. that – he's really got that, that number two or worst-case scenario number three job locked down. And if you watch the Cardinals' offense last year – they're going to – like, they like wide wide receivers. They don't do a lot of tight ends. And a lot of people are scared about Rondell, Rondell Moore's um, involvement in the offense. But I see him more as a gadget guy. I don't think he's going to take um, Christian Kirk's reps. Yeah. Well, with Tommy, Kirk, this Kirk... is the first one I disagree with you on. Oh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm, I'm a Rondell Moore guy. I'm a Rondell Moore guy. I think he's a lot more than a gadget player. I really like him. Um my thing is when I look at Christian Kirk and I look at that team, if they were really, really believers of Christian Kirk, I don't know if they're going and getting a guy like Rondell Moore in the second just to be a gadget guy. Um, I think you're right. He's still a starter. Like, Rondell Moore has to play in the slot. Like, has to, has to, has to play in the slot. Um, but I think he's going to be a weapon for that team. And I've heard that he's looked really good in camp so far. I guess everybody looks really good in camp, so it's really a non-issue. But my thing is, like, Christian Kirk just hasn't really shown it enough for me yet like we're three years into his career now and it's you know he could be a little bit of a late bloomer but a career max and receiving yards of like 765 or something like that I I get what you mean though and that is that he's cheap like he doesn't cost you a lot so like maybe he costs even less with Rondell Moore going there but I'm just like not somebody like I think Rondell Moore is the receiver to own over Christian Kirk in Arizona after DeAndre yeah yeah Rondell Moore is being drafted much higher so that's the only thing that concerns. Ron's are more also – are we sure he's going to last in the NFL? He's very undersized. Like you said, he can only play on the slot. And if D-Hop goes down or gets traded, because D-Hop's contract ends after this year, right? Or did he get extended? I thought it was – I thought he got extended, but I could be wrong. Okay. Because, like, where's Rondell Moore's value if he doesn't have a, a wide receiver one on the outside? It's very similar to, to Cole Beasley's value without a wide receiver one. That's just the only yeah. part that- – Concerns me. Rondell Moore is, I think, one quarter of an inch shorter than Tyreek Hill, and he's the same weight. So, I mean, maybe it's annoying to compare all the small, quick guys to, like, Tyreek Hill, and I get that, like, not necessarily 
maybe that's too much of an outlier for some people. But my thing is like, like metrics wise, he's like a thick five, seven, five, eight. So I don't, I'm not like too worried about that. And that's why he has to play out of the slot. Like he went to a team that already understands, like he's not going to play anywhere else. So I feel like if he plays out of the slot and he does what he was doing at Purdue, you know, even the people saying like, oh, he's only going to be used towards the line of scrimmage. Like dude has like four, two, seven, four, two, eight wheels. Like they can use him deep. He's going to be a problem. I think more so than people realize yet might not yeah. happen this year, but he's going to be a problem. No, I, I definitely agree with you on more. Um, but to Tommy's point, I mean, Kirk can play on the outside too. Um, and I'm looking at some of the people that are ranked over him, and good old Dwayne Eskridge is one of them. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's whack. Yeah, that's crazy. Johnny, do you have 75th or where is he? Yeah, 74. Yeah, 74. Like Denzel Mims is rated higher than him, and the Jets are talking about trading him right now. <laughs> yeah, true. Well, that shows you how good Elijah Moore's been in camp, I guess. Yeah. Um. Fair enough, though. I think that's that's a good one. John, are you up now? Um, another one of these guys that I've been talking about forever is Corey Davis. Um, he's being drafted around wide receiver fifty three. Um, and just some of the guys that are going ahead of him, Brandon Cooks, uh, Darnell Mooney, Will Fuller, even Odell Beckham, again, McCole Hardman. Um, and I just would much rather have Corey Davis than some of these guys. He's, mm-hmm. he's great at, at, like, you know, deep routes, like 10 to 20 yards. He finally has, um, he's a number one on the team. He has enough guys where he's not going to be double covered. You know, like you said, Elijah Moore has been great. Um, Denzel Mims has been whatever. They brought in Keelan Cole as well. They're kind of no names, but they're going to take away some of the coverage. And he has a quarterback who's good at pushing the ball downfield in Zach Wilson, and they've been showing a good rapport in, in camp and in preseason. And and I just think he's going to be way better than wide receiver 53. I'm with you. I'm, I'm like, listen, I'm the first one to typically be like, I don't know, because you, you have a, a you know – the players that you know it's just like everything in, in dynasty when you own a player somewhere you believe in them and like i know i know we all do it with our own guys but i genuinely agree with you i was watching some plays from the game with zach wilson throwing to Corey davis and they already look like they have a really good rapport um so i'm on board with you john i think 53 like is especially for startups it's just too it's too late for me the problem I have with Corey Davis is is really like what you have to pay to get him in a league that you don't current like currently own him because I think the going price is a second and it's just like you there's so many receivers and you're gonna take a receiver in the second round of a draft so like I do weigh what he costs you to get him versus what he'd be in a startup and in a startup I totally agree with you. Yeah, I saw um. There was a statistic I saw yesterday that said in the preseason, which obviously you have to take, like take for granted, or whatever, um, that he was targeted on seventy-seven percent of his routes by Zach Wilson. Yeah, they have a rapport. There's no yeah. doubt. Yeah, Mike, I I agree with you with the with the price. I think that's kind of, I mean, I've always, as you know from last year, I've I've been high on him. Um, and I think the price, his price has been slowly rising as people see what he's doing with Zach Wilson. Like, I think before, like, right when he first went to the Jets, I think you probably could have gotten him for a late second. But now that people are kind of seeing, oh, he's actually showing up as the number one and Zach Wilson's pumping him the ball, like, now you probably have to give 
a mid to early second, which I agree is still a little high just for what else you can get with that. Um, but definitely in a startup, he's going way too late. And he could have, he could have like a dig type of resurgence. Oh, I hope so. Um, just a quick point and then we can, we can move on. But, um, the whole thing about Davis is I was, I was concerned about, I, I'm, as you know, Johnny, I'm a, I like Zach Wilson. I think he's a lot of potential, but I was most concerned about him as a quarterback and that new offense. But in this preseason, as we see that the offense looks pretty efficient, Zach Wilson's playing well. And I think that's what's um, really helping the Corey Davis value go up for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree with you. And I don't know if you felt the table move right there, Mike, but when you said a Diggs-type resurgence, whew, it's got me going a little bit. Yeah, my point being more like he could play better on his second team than his first team, then he's going to be wide receiver three on the year. <laughs> no, I, I, I know what you meant, but just, just let me have this one. That's fair. All right, uh, let me go into my last one here, trying to be cognizant of how much time we got left. Um, and this is kind of a twofer, and that is Jalen Hurts, who I'm seeing is the quarterback 16 off the board, and Deshaun Watson, who I'm seeing is the QB 15 off the board. Um, starting with Jalen Hurts here, at, at this point, like the team has committed to him, and I'm not saying he's going to, you know, um, go out there and necessarily be like incredible. But the thing is, when you're talking about a rushing quarterback, they just genuinely have a ton of value. Like we've just seen it time and again like he has a lot of upside for where he's costing in super flex leagues right now um and then on the other flip side of that Deshaun Watson at QB 15 like I'm not going to get into the politics and, and how crazy I think it is that he's taking snaps and everything right now but the reality of the situation is the NFL is either turning a blind eye or they're just like he the, he's gonna play again and worst case scenario is he misses one year um, and if you're not a competing team, then you should go get him because he's going to be back if you're okay with the ethics of it. But he's cheap right now at QB 15, so I feel like he's worth mentioning as well. Yeah, I, I agree on both of those. Again, won't get into it, but it looks it looks like he might even play this year. <laughs> Crazy, but yeah. All right, uh, you all go into my uh, two guys real quick, if unless Tommy has anything to say. No, yeah. well, you, Jenny. Uh, so real quick, I have um, Jamar Chase. I think he's being drafted way too high. He's being drafted around wide receiver 10. Um, obviously, we've all been seeing he kind of looks a little shaky, a little rusty in the preseason. Um, but other than that, I think wide receiver 10 is way too early for him. You know, he's a rookie. Um, he's in an offense with two established starters already in Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, um, who are both kind of being overlooked at this point as well. Um, he has a QB whose health is kind of a concern. So their line is still kind of shaky. And I definitely think that Jamar Chase is going to be great, but I think wide receiver 10 is just a little too early for me right now. He's being taken over guys like McLaurin, Godwin, Allen Robinson, Amari Cooper. Like they're going in the third and fourth round and they're established wide receivers who have shown they can do it where Jamar Chase is a rookie. Um, and then secondly, real quick, I have Jonathan Taylor going way too high. He's being taken like fifth overall and he's being taken over. I've been, I've been seeing him being taken over Cook and Kamara, which I get it, the whole age thing. Um, but I think if I'm doing a rookie startup, I'm still taking Cook, Pro probably leaning more towards Kamara just because 
of the way he's used. Um, you know, Cook has the whole injury history, but but still, I think five overall is way too early for Taylor. Um, similar to Chubb, I don't think he has the receiving upside. And like we mentioned before, Chubb is one of the best pure rushers in the game, but he doesn't have a top five finish just because he doesn't have the receiving upside. Where you can get guys like like we talked about, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Gibson, even Najee Harris. I know it's a little early for him, but you're getting these guys in the third and fourth round. Um, you know, I don't think Carson Wentz is going to throw the ball to Jonathan Taylor like like uh, what's his name, good old Philip Rivers did. And even with Philip Rivers, he only had thirty five or thirty six catches for under three hundred yards. So, I just think he's be, he's the hype on him is incredible, and I think he's going way too high. Um. So I'll I'll break those down individually. So starting with Jamar Chase, I I get what you're saying, but my thing is if you look at the receivers that are going after him and factoring in like age as part of a cornerstone, right? Like Jamar Chase is 20 years old right now, um, you know, and then you got maybe he's 21. Devontae Adams is 28. Stephon Diggs 27. Ridley 26. Hopkins 29. Then you get into McLaurin. McLaurin's 25. Going to be 26. Um, Godwin's 25, going to be 26 this year. Um, DJ Moore's 24. So I, you could kind of debate DJ Moore. Um, he's, he's been really good and he's kind of always undervalued. Allen Robinson again, 27, Keenan Allen, 29. So I think, I think it's just an ageist thing. Like people play dynasty and they just get very ageist. So it's just kind of all around your strategy and like what you're trying to do. And I, I think you kind of did hit on that a little bit. Personally, I think in a startup, I, I like where Jamar Chase is going, but admittedly, you're drafting him as your cornerstone wide receiver, and there is inherent risk with that because he might not be. He might be a career wide receiver too, and you know it's a cornerstone pick, and there is risk with that. So I kind of get what you're saying there. Just, um, just, just real quick before you go on to Jonathan Taylor. Um, yep. I mean, you can get T. Higgins like ten picks later, who he had almost a thousand yards last year. Like he, he showed that he's legit. Um, yeah, T. Higgins is a good value right now. And he's 22. And then and even guys like McLaurin and Goblin, they're 25, 26. Like, you're going to get them for five or six years. So, like, mm-hmm. age isn't as much of a factor, you know? And and I think this also goes in line with what you and I were talking about last week when we said um, this is why you don't want to take a receiver in the first two or three rounds because, yes, they're a little bit better than some of the other guys – but, like, I think I would rather take my chances on getting, like, an IU Higgins, Judy. Like, here's some of the other guys you can get around four, five, six, right? Like, Ayuk, uh, Cooper, like you said, Higgins, Judy, Deontay, Michael Thomas, uh, Claypool, you can get around there. Devontae Smith, Elijah Moore. Like, these are guys, Cortland Sutton. These are all guys that are going later by a lot. So, I think it's, like, it's not even about where they're going relative to wide receivers that are currently on the board. It's the fact that you're taking a wide receiver this early when there's better value at running back and quarterback, you know, like a, or even tight end, like a Kyle Pitts or something. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, um, just a quick point. Cause I know you want to talk about Jonathan Taylor. Um, it's important to mention that like, I don't see, I don't see a big drop off between the Bengals big three receiving core. Like, I don't think there's be such a huge difference between Boyd chase and Higgins. I think they're going to be around the same targets same receiving yards, and that's the same thing for the Steelers with their big three, the Cowboys, the Bengals, as I mentioned, and the Bucks. I, I don't think taking Jamar Chase, like Johnny said, 10, maybe 15 picks before the other um, wide receivers is a huge value. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I agree with that, Tommy, because, you know, Higgins and Boyd, I don't I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. So that kind of caps Jamar Chase. So maybe he is a high-end wide receiver, too, for, you know, the next four or five years. I think it's just like when you see Jamar Chase go fifth overall, like it's a high – it's like a recency thing, right? Like he went in a really premium pick in real life, and people like Chase a lot. And so, like, what happens is the guys that were there already are afterthoughts. Like, before Chase went there, T. Higgins was almost like a top 13 dynasty wide receiver. Um, And Joe Burrow is talented enough to carry at least, you know, two, three guys. Like, this could be an offense like the Cowboys where people just want a piece of it, kind of like you were saying, Tommy. Um, Tyler Boyd, I'm a little bit lower on for dynasty, but I think, like, he's a value based on, like, what price you're paying relative to others. So, I think, like, I agree with everything you guys hit on there. Yeah, I'll let you go, um, Taylor. Yeah, and then for Taylor, I, uh, yeah, I would take McCaffrey over him. I would take Dalvin over him. I would take Saquon over him. I think I would take him over Kamara because I don't like the fact that we don't really know what this offense is going to look like. Um, and I think Jonathan Taylor had one of the highest efficiency ratings for receptions last year. Um, so we know he can catch, and I think it's better than Chubb, although it's not going to be Kamara tier or, like, Dalvin or McCaffrey tier or even Saquon. Like, of those five, he's going to have the lowest receiving upside. But as a pure rusher behind that line, like, I get it. And I'm looking at the other players that are going in the first round. So, like, and this is, again, this is ADP based off not super flex, so it would be different if we were talking 2QB versus uh, 1QB. But, like, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf. But then after them, you know, you got Derrick Henry, Najee, like, you know, C.E. Lamb, Nick Chubb. Like, I don't I don't want to take a wide receiver in the first. Like, I'd rather take one of these running backs. And so I kind of do see why he's going where he's going, even if it's, like, a little rich for your taste. And I do get that side of it, too. No, I, I definitely get what you're saying because that kind of fits perfectly into what we've been talking about, you know, take the running back over some of these wide receivers. But I just think Hines being there and no rivers definitely caps his receiving upside. And if we're going to talk about David Montgomery having an easy or like an an easy strength of schedule towards the end of the year, uh, when Jonathan Taylor really like his end of the year was really strong and he was playing, he played Houston twice. He played the Raiders and he played Jacksonville and he had monster games against them. So and like his his first half of the year wasn't great, and for him to finish, what was he wide receiver? Excuse me, running back what six or seven on the year? I believe. Some, like, yeah, he was something really high. He was like top six, I think. But for someone to do that, someone other than Derrick Henry, who rushed for two thousand yards last year, for someone to do that without the receiving upside, it's tough to do that year in and year out. Yeah, and I guess then there's the debate about, like, what his receiving upside is because he had 36 receptions for 300 yards in a TD last year. So, like, it's conceivable he could grow on that number. Um, I don't know if Derrick Henry ever has had 300 receiving yards in a season, has he? But I still get your point. I'm just curious now. I mean, I don't think I don't think Derrick – Derrick Henry will randomly get one reception for 75 yards in a touchdown. Yeah, Derrick Henry's I, high is 206. I just think I don't. I think that's kind of the ceiling for his receiving, just because Hines is a great receiving back, and he had Philip Rivers who was pumping the ball. Like Carson Wentz doesn't. Carson Wentz targets the tight ends. He doesn't really target his running backs as much. Yeah. So, 
I guess to go back to this point, are you basically saying he's your RB5, but you don't like him at RB23, basically? It's tough because I know, you know, you don't want to take a wide receiver that high, but, like, if I had the choice between him, Cook, and Kamara, I'd take Kamara and Cook over him because I like guys like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Gibson, and then even Montgomery. Like, I like their value better in the third round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Mizell has him going as RB2, which is too high, objectively. He should – I don't think he should go before Dalvin or Saquon. I think the only one I'm really debating is Kamara. And, again, like, Kamara is so freaking good. I, I do get it, especially if you're going a little more wind down and want something that you have a better idea of. I have Kamara question marks I always have, but I get your point. That's fair. That's a good take. Um, Thanks, man. I just have a quick thing to, to mention on Taylor before I get into mine. Um, I'm kind of concerned with his longevity. Uh, he had 300 carries, 307 carries, and 320 carries before he even entered the NFL. And um, that may be something, maybe I'm exaggerating or, or overreacting, but that concerns me. I mean, I think he had more carries at Wisconsin than Derrick Henry's had in the NFL. And the, as we see running backs get older, I know Jonathan Taylor's, what, 24? 22. 22. Wow, he's younger than I thought. But as he t- – like, around 23, 24, when those 300-carry years start to stack up, I can just I, – I see a bad injury in his future, and it just concerns me. Like I said, I could be overreacting. I could be um, looking too deep into that than I should. But those almost well, – almost 1,000 carries in college are concerning. No, that's a good point. And maybe, maybe that's why they brought Marlon, Marlon Mack back to just take away from some of those carries. All right, well, I'm ready for for my player that I think is being drafted too high. You guys are ready. Oh, I'm ready. Yeah, we're buckled in. I'm yet to find one person to agree with me on this, but, you know, I'm usually not wrong. So <laughs> let me just dive right into this. Uh, <laughs> um, this is important to note real quick that um, I'm talking about this player as if you're doing a redraft. So you're just taking him for one year, not the dynasty twist, but I'll make sure I talk about that as well. And my player, Johnny, you ready for this? No, I'm ready. In Herbert. So I looked into it. For dynasties, he's being drafted as the fifth best quarterback. And I, I really don't understand it. Um, for starts, the entire – Johnny, you ready for this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. Name this, the Chargers' third-string wide receiver. Uh, the guy that just drafted, was it Josh, Josh Palmer? Josh Palmer. I'm, I'm impressed. So Joshua Palmer has proven nothing in the NFL. And as we're seeing the NFL turning into a three wide receiver league as it becomes more into a passing raid. So the, the Chargers are currently relying on a 30-year-old Keenan Allen. I, pers- I personally think Keenan Allen is extremely underrated. I think he's a fantastic wide receiver, but he's getting older. They're relying on Mike Williams, who has proved – I know you love him, Johnny, but he's proven to be inconsistent. He's not a separation guy. And then a rookie wide receiver. And obviously, as wide receivers get worse, the, the quarterback's value drops. And um, something that needs to be mentioned is third down efficiency usually, like, let me rephrase this. So, Justin Herbert last year was one of the most efficient quarterbacks on third down. And historically, that leads to a regression. Carson Wentz in his MVP year was the second most efficient quarterback on third down. And then next year he dropped to the 15th. It just Dak that occurred to Dak his rookie year into his second year. And as you look 
through quarterbacks, whether it is their um their rookie year or just a random year where they're playing really well. Third down efficiency usually is paired with that. Like there's certain quarterbacks like Mahomes, Rodgers, um, Brady that their third down efficiency stays consistent. That's why they're such good quarterbacks. But typically, as a third down efficiency goes up, there's a regression the following year, and I can see that. I can see that happening with Herbert. Right. Well, uh, I mean, you want to go first, John? Uh oh. No, yeah. I mean, there's I no. Gonna say, I, I was going to say I, I don't. I don't know why you're surprised. I have. A, I have a podcast, so clearly I'm going to know the third string wide receiver on the Chargers. <laughs> yeah, um, you got a podcast like we, John. You know the fourth stringer too, don't you? Tell him the fourth stringer. Yeah, Jalen Guyton, dude. Come on. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Is he still there? Yeah, he's still no, there. I don't know. Yeah, the guy. Okay, I'm only trying to put you on the spot. Wide receiver was getting playing time last year. Say that again. The Cowboys practice squad wide receiver was playing last year in Jalen Gunn. It's Tyron Johnson, who I don't even know who that is, honestly. Whatever. Yeah, after but... Mike Williams, it doesn't freaking yeah, matter. Like, like we said, we got a podcast. Like, John John can tell you the seventh receiver on the team. Yeah, dude. It's it's, it's <laughs> Tim. <laughs> yeah, Tim left the pod so he could start playing wide receiver for the Chargers. I mean, he's a D1 athlete, baby. All right. All right. All right. Uh... <laughs> So I, I see what you're saying, Tommy, and I guess, you know, the Chargers offense kind of looks great now, but the future is a little shaky. Um, and, I, I mean, I think I think I agree with you in terms of redraft. Not as much dynasty. I mean, five might be a little high. I mean, you're taking him over a guy like Dak Prescott who's proven he can do it. Um, but, I, I mean, I'm – I, I guess I agree with you for redraft, so I'm curious what Mike has to say. Um, for redraft, I kind of agree. I mean, it's so hard sometimes. I'm trying to think. Do you have the list, Tommy, of who who the top ten quarterbacks are for redraft that you were going off of for your list? Um, I can find it one sec. I mean, I could probably get twelve quarterbacks off the dome that I would take before him. Yeah, let's see. If I was to do – so I see – yeah, I, it, it fluctuates a little bit. Like this one I see has Mahomes 1, Allen 2, Kyler Murray 3, Prescott 4, Lamar 5, Wilson 6, Rogers 7, Herbert 8. I mean, there's there's six before Herbert. There's six quarterbacks, maybe not Rogers, that I would still take before Herbert. Like I would, yeah. I would take Mahomes, Allen, Murray, Lamar Jackson, Dak, Russell, I would, I would take – and even maybe Jalen Hurts over um, Justin Herbert. I, I, my thing is everybody who ever owns Russell Wilson hates owning Russell Wilson. Yeah. I don't know if I would take <laughs> – Russell Wilson's second half always blows and he takes people out of the chance for a championship. Yeah. So – but aside from that, yeah, I mean, Rodgers is going to probably light it up again. Um, this says Jalen Hurts is QB 10. Wow. Uh, Tom Brady's QB 9 is gross. Yeah, get that off my screen. That's disgusting. I like Matthew Stafford, who's twelve. Uh, Ryan Tannehill at eleven. This is an interesting quarterback board. Matt Ryan at fifteen, I think, is a value. Justin yeah. Fields sixteen. Fitzpatrick seventeen. There's some. There's some values here. There's some. There's a couple of these that I. I kind of think that they're going to have a little more value than they're. They're thinking. I. I don't hate it. Like Herbert won Rookie of the Year, and didn't he break the rookie quarterback touchdown record even though he missed a game yeah no I, I it's it's important for me to mention real quick before you get started that I I love Herbert I think he's a good quarterback I think I think um 
the recency bias has kind of is kind of bumped him up. Um, I just think he's due for a little sophomore slump, and then after that, who knows? I think I think Anthony Lynn was arguably one of the more incompetent coaches. I, not even really arguably, he was one of the more incompetent <laughs> coaches last year. So I will say, like whatever he possibly lost with like Hunter Henry leaving and like the receiving core getting a year older and not necessarily much much stronger. I, you know, it is a new coach and benefit of the doubt. I, like, their line is a lot better, too. Like, didn't they get one of the linemen from Green Bay? Didn't they get the center, Lindsley? Yeah, and they also got my, my, um, he was tied with Penny School. Um, I don't know, I can't remember. Rashawn Slater out of uh, Northwestern was like one of my favorite linemen in the draft. Yeah, so their line's going to be like way, way better, too. So I feel like they're building the team the right way. Like, if they give him time, Herbert, Herbert, like, there was a couple of games last year that Mike Williams was out, and he made Jalen Guyton look like DeAndre Hopkins. So, like, I will say, <laughs> I get what you're saying, and we could debate some of these, like, back-end QB1s. But, I mean, for dynasty purposes, he is a top-five guy. Um, it, it's crazy how much he's ascended. But I get your point in redraft. But uh, this is an ugly – this is – I'm, like, looking at the redraft. This is kind of a gross list after the first five or six. Yeah, I would I would not want. I mean, QB ten is Jalen Hurts, which I like for his upside. But like, again, that's your that's your QB one. Like, that's you don't feel great. Uh, Tannehill at eleven, Stafford at twelve. Yeah, this is this is a tricky year for redraft for Superflex leagues. This is a little eye opening. Yeah. Um, the other person I, 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 who's been lighting up is Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston is going to be a redraft value, I think, because mm-hmm. he's going to cost you nothing. I was impressed by that, those throws in the preseason game last night. Yeah, he was balling a little bit. Um, and who did he, th- he throw him to? My boy Marquez Calloway that I called out in the pod the night before. Yeah, scooped, scooped, him in, scooped in a league too. Yeah, John, everybody you call out's good or you pick them up and they get hurt. So <laughs> kind of a wide variance for you. Did you it's did a- you say something in a bar? Did you say ETN's name? Did you get him hurt? <sighs> yeah, you know, I might have texted Tim. Texted him. <laughs> Nice just ETN pick, in. injured yeah. instantly. <laughs> hey, man, just checking in on ETN. How's he doing? And then boom. <laughs> yeah. Well, in one of our leagues, one of uh, one of our league mates made his team of justice for James Robinson. And after this happened, I was like, dude, I'm afraid of you now. You have too much power. Like, you made that your team name, and then ETN got his leg blasted. <laughs> so. Uh, it's fun. Anyway. Okay. That's fun. That's fantasy football is fun. It's a it's a good game and I like it. But guys, we're a little over an hour here. Um, I think we possibly can continue on with our topic on players that we think are a little overvalued next week. Um, do you guys have anything else before we close out? No, no, I think I'm good. All right, thanks, y'all, and we'll catch you next week. Peace out. Peace. Peace.